Greetings once again to all of you in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you know, how many of you agree that God is at work? Amen. God is at work. Hallelujah. Even as you heard, he's, He wants us to respond by presenting that posture. I'm so blessed by that. that so say that posture is important. Tell your neighbor, posture is important. Your posture before God is important. Your posture in worship is important. Amen. Hallelujah. You need to receive. Say receive. You need to give. Amen. There's a transaction happening. And when you are in the right posture before God, there's a transaction happening. God has been teaching us some things. We were looking at uh, King Hezekiah, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, 2 Chronicles chapter 29 onwards. It's interesting that those three chapters, if you look at those chapters, I was just reading it over and over um, this past couple of days. I was just reading it over and over. And I realized that the first chapter, that's a chapter 29, 2 Chronicles chapter 29, is about repair. Say repair. repair. Hezekiah took charge as king. He repaired and he restored he repaired the temple, the place of worship. He repaired. Say repair. repair. Say repair. repair. Say it loud. Say repair. repair. Man, we got to repair. Man. And we got to restore. Man, as, as we all, uh, you know, learn from the reading that the worship was stalled. It was prevented. It was stopped. There was no worship happening in the land. The place of worship was locked up. It was destroyed, it was dilapidated, it was um, uh, not in use. And this king took charge. The first thing that he did is he repaired the place of worship. He cleansed it, sanctified it, consecrated the place, then consecrated the people who are in charge of worship. It's all part of repair. Say repair. repair. And he opened the doors to restore worship. Say restore worship. Restore. See, if, if worship needs a repair, if you're Worship, if your praise needs a repair, if your praise needs repair, if your worship needs repair, you must repair. Hello? Do not prolong it. Do not prolong it. You, know, you, must, you must check, when is the last time I burst out in, in worship? When is the last time, not just in church. Okay, church, of course, you are, you are stimulated. You know, the, the band will trigger you into worship, so to say. Or we'll try to trigger you into worship. Try our best to trigger you into worship. Some people get it. Some people won't. But when is the last time worship just, just voluntarily flowed out of you? Just, just came out of you. It just came out. You, know, you just, just woke up one morning and you can't stop singing. Can you remember those days? When is the last time you're driving down, you're not listening to FM radio, but you are singing praises unto God, you are listening to worship, you are worshiping along with it, you are, you are in, in the spirit, you are in, in tongues, you are just blessing the Lord with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your mind. You're not on a call anymore. I know some people, the first thing that they do is, okay, now let me close the world behind me and get on, on to different calls, one after the other. They make the time to make calls. When is the last time you called unto God like that? Without distraction. Hello. God is speaking to you. 
God is speaking to you, repair. Tell your neighbor, repair. Your worship needs repair. I mean, I can't drive it enough. I can't, I can't emphasize it enough. The Lord is just putting in my heart, pushing it in my heart to tell you over and over, our worship needs repair. The church needs to repair our worship. Now you can, you can go through these passages and say, oh, this is Old Testament. You know, these are, this is the Old Covenant and things were different. Yeah, things were different. But God is still the same. He still deserves our worship. Hello? He still deserves our worship. We have changed. We have become the, the modern day 21st century Christians, stingy in worship. Stingy in worship when it comes to God and lavish in worship when it comes to the things of this world. We are so lavish with our worship. We are, we are so lavish with our praise. Awesome mobile phone. Awesome? Awesome mobile phone? Incredible. Incredible technology. Beautiful movie star. Wonderful piece of work. So these are all words that used to be reserved for God and His, and His glory. But now we are so lavish with praising the things of this world and we have become very stingy. We are not even mindful. We are not even aware. You know why? Because for ages, the place of worship was locked up. You can, you can look at your own life. The place of worship in your life was locked up. Somebody put a lock. The door was shut to worship. You have gotten used to a lifestyle with no worship. You've gotten used to a lifestyle which can't be moved in worship. You've gotten used to a lifestyle which is numb to the presence of God. You've gotten used to a lifestyle which is not sensitive to the, to, to the spirit of God moving. You've gotten used to a lifestyle which is so irreverential. No reverence. So when I say you, I'm talking to myself. I'm putting myself there. We are all guilty of this. And God is helping us. He wants to help us. He wants to help us. He wants to help us. Now gone are the days, you know, I've, I've told this many times before. Gone are the days when, you know, the neighborhood will listen to the mother sing loud praises unto God. Today what are the mothers doing? I don't know. I grew up listening to my mother screaming at the top of her lungs, praises unto God, in her own tune. She will make her own tune and she cares two hoots about it because it is her praise unto God. In fact, the, the neighbors will be like frowning, what happened to her today, if in case she does not do it on her day because they have so gotten used to so, I mean, where are we with, with regards to all that? Where is our worship? Is our worship loud or is it, is it like swept under the racks? Is, is, it, is it a discreet thing? We don't want to disturb anybody, you know. We want to be the good neighbors. They can blast Bollywood and Mollywood and all the woods. But we are very quiet. Say quiet. That is not the God of the Bible. That is not the worship in the Bible. The worship in the Bible is resounding. Amen. Amen. Resounding. People have no choice. 
Say, I, 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 I praise God. You know, there is some, uh, what do you call that thing? Perinal. Perinal, right? Some um, celebration, okay? Some Catholic, funk, uh, you know, thing happening. I, I'm, I'm glad that they play some of the songs that we sing in church. Yesterday, I was, I was riding, uh, you know, across this place, and they were singing, Abhishegam. See, if you keep silent, the rocks will cry out. That's going to happen. Amen? You, can, you can be prim and proper, um, you know, straight-jacketed, long-faced, uh, you know, don't want to cause a wrinkle in your, uh, in your shirt, in your dress, and like, you know, very dignified. God will cause stones to cry out His praise. Out of the mouth of infants, he will perfect praise. Infants. We have an infant here, by the way. You know, I'm telling you, one fine day, you will, you will hear infants saying, Hallelujah, praise the Lord louder than you. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's bring back our worship. Now, I want to encourage all the mothers. All the mothers stand up to your feet. All the mothers. Because mothers are the ones who usually get up the first. Rare ex exceptions are there. <laughs> Very rare. And I want you to, I want you to commit yourself to a loud lifestyle of worship, to a loud bursting out in praise every morning. You must. I'm, I'm waiting for the, I'm waiting, I'm still waiting. I'm waiting for your, uh, hello. I mean, scream at the top of your lungs. Your, your choir master, choir master, Sunday school teacher, right? Next door. She should listen, should hear. Oh, she still has got it. I'm telling you, your neighbors must listen to your voice, praising God, worshiping God. Your children must get used to listening. You sing and praise. Man, I mean, can't we, isn't that a, a bare minimum that we can do? A bare minimum repair we can do. That's the, isn't that the least we can do in, when it comes to repairing worship? The least we can do. Just praising God loud and clear every morning when you get up. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I hope you've, you've made a commitment to that. And if you are, now, now fathers, if you are the ones who are getting up first, you must do it. With your bass voice. With your bass, baritone voice, deep voice. Do that. Amen. And nobody will judge you for singing the wrong note and uh, not going out of pitch. Nobody will judge you. But as you worship, you probably might become a great singer. Amen. Ah, I'm telling you. If, if, see, if God is not our audience, then what's the point in singing? If God is not your audience, then what's the point of your singing? If it is not to please God, then what's the point in having vocal cords to sing? Say repair. Say restore. Repair. Restore. As a, as a church, we must repair and restore worship. Just like Hezekiah did. Young guy came into power. The first thing, repair. Let's repair the, the house of worship. 
let's let's restore worship in the house let's let's consecrate the place let's consecrate the 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 ones who are appointed for worship let's cleanse ourselves and draw near to god Some more excitement, please. Little more. Yes. Say worship. Say worship. Say worship. Say worship. So chapter 29 deals with repair and restoration of worship. Chapter 30. We come to chapter 30. And then there we see something else. The call is to return. Say return. So he repaired and restored the place of worship. And then he's calling the people to return. Return to God. Amen. Return to God. And then it goes, the chapter ends by saying they rejoiced. When you return to God, you will rejoice. Are you with me? And the, the last chapter in this in this section, the, the next chapter, that is chapter 32, deals with reforms. Say reforms. So you repaired, you restored, and you asked the people, you called the people to return and, 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 and brought about rejoicing. And this has to, this has to be sustained. It, this has to sustain. This has to have some longevity. This has to continue. So he reformed. He reformed. He followed it up with reforms. Now we'll look at that in one of these weeks. But we have to start where we got to start. Amen. Start with repair Amen. and restoration. Amen. Repairing and restoration. Amen. Amen. And today we're going to look at chapter 30 one more time. Let's look at chapter 30. We're going to look at the return and the, the rejoicing part. Amen. Now Hezekiah sent to chapter 30 and verse 1. Second Chronicles chapter 30 and verse 1. Yes, thank you. Now Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah and wrote letters also to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover to the Lord God of Israel. For the king and his princes and all the assembly in Jerusalem had decided to celebrate the Passover in the second month, since they could not celebrate it at that time because the priest had not consecrated. Because they were not ready. Say ready. It's all about, see, worship is about readiness. Worship is about readiness. Now you got to be ready when the, when the time for worship is right. Amen. There is a time appointed for worship. They were not ready. They had not yet consecrated themselves for worship. That's what the Bible is saying. Since they could not consecrate. They, they, since they could celebrate at that time because the priest had not consecrated themselves. You must consecrate yourself under worship. Amen. You must separate yourself under worship. Say separate. separate. There must be separation from the world. If you want to draw near to God in worship, you must separate yourself from the world. Amen. You have to draw certain lines. You have to make certain rules. Amen. You have to draw certain lines, make, make certain rules. Have some priority. Amen. Amen. If, if you allow the world to dictate terms of your worship, you will be, you will never worship God. The world cannot dictate terms of your worship. The world cannot tell you, you must worship, you must not worship. This Sunday, don't worship. We have something else happening. Come. Uh, okay. That is the world dictating terms of worship unto God. 
worship is not under the world worship is under god amen you must consecrate you must separate yourself so that you will not be swayed by the world when it comes to worship hello the see i you know i i have no problem in repeating this but i want to drive this across we have become such such dumb people we become such dumb people without any standards such compromising people when it comes to worship and we have no shame we have no shame in giving reasons for our lack of worship we have no shame in in presenting reasons why we didn't turn up in church there is no fear of god there is no fear of man there's only an appetite to please man please man please others please the world it has to end and I, see i'm telling you one generation is you're rubbing influence upon your children you understand that you're rubbing influence upon your children they are learning from your standards they are already getting a an idea getting an idea about the way you live your life worship is not a matter of convenience worship is not a matter of choice worship is your you owe god worship because of who he is man whether you are up to it or not whether you feel like it or not whether you are the odd one out or not he still deserves worship you might be the only person called by god knowing god and having a relationship with god that means you are owing god the worship that is due unto him in in all of kottayam you might be the only christian you are, you got to worship you got to worship you still got to worship hello you still got to worship you still got to worship now how how quickly you know we we get distracted we get sidelined how how quickly we we shift our focus from worship and go after things go after idols now you if you think idols are things like you know with with two hands or 10 hands or how many of hands and you know 10 different heads and you know so on and so forth you, 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 if if that's the image of an idol that exactly is not that not that alone is not an idol anything that eclipses your vision of god is an idol anything that prevents you from seeing god for who he is is an idol anything that distracts you from the presence of god is an idol we are living in the days of electronic idols hello we are living in the days of electronic idols we are living in the day, days of amoled no amoled yeah amoled idols no had the people been gathered to jerusalem you need to gather say gather you need to gather where you supposed to gather do not neglect the gathering say gathering that's not old testament that is new testament for your kind information that is hebrews chapter 11 right yeah hebrews chapter 11 tells us do not neglect the gathering of the brethren you got to gather worship is about gathering 
You can worship all by yourself, but when you got to gather, you got to gather. Amen? Because we're going to gather. One fine day, we're all going to gather. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Get used to that. Get used to that. Oh, I'm fine in, in the confines of my space, on my couch. I love, I know how to worship my God on my couch. You might know how to worship God on your couch or on your bed, but you must also know how to worship God with a gathering of the brethren. Amen. Come together and worship. Make it a practice, make it a discipline, make it a testimony. Amen. People must say that this person never compromises. Say, never compromises. Sometimes we, we get so hardened, say hardened. When the instruction comes, we get so hardened. The more you are instructed on these lines, I don't know why people get so hardened in this area. You know, I like what uh, you know, Sister Elsa was sharing. She said, it might be a small thing, it can even be a big thing. But when God is pointing out something for you to correct, you better? That's what you said, right? You said that, I heard that. You have to correct you have to bring that to a posture which God wants you to have. Amen. So if God is instructing you to gather, you must gather. And I'm telling you, people, if you don't gather for some time, you'll get used to not gathering. We've seen that. People who, are so dis who, are so who were so disciplined in gathering decided one fine day, okay, this is good. Not gathering. And they got used to not gathering. See, that's what happened. See, if you read through this book, this, this book, okay, the history of the people of Israel, you'll realize that you know, every, every phase, every time or every season, they were in, being influenced by a certain culture. The devil allowed corruption to happen. This is, we're talking about God's own people. But the culture was corrupted, say corrupted, by godless people. Godless people corrupted the culture. That's why the very people who are called by God, the very people who are known by this one true living God, the same people started having idols, started having altars of pagan worship all around. And you wonder how? Aren't these same people the ones who came out of Egypt? God led them out. The pillar of fire, the, 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 the cloud of fire, the pillar of fire. The miracles, the, the plagues that infested the, the enemy and the wondrous provision of God all through those 40 years. Then how come such a people have forgotten? Say forgotten. That's why the call is to return. Because they've forgotten. They've forgotten their God. They've forgotten the, the power of God. They've gotten used to a culture. Don't get used to the culture of this world. Man, hallelujah. Don't get used to the culture of this world. Never. Never. I refuse to get used to the culture of this world. Hello. Some, some, some energy, please. Some, some, some response. Thus, verse 4. Thus the thing was right. What was right? The gathering, say gathering. Yes. The thing was right in the sight of the king and all the assembly gathering together to worship. Was right in the sight of the king and all the assembly. Praise God. 
So they established a decree to circulate a proclamation throughout all Israel from Beersheba even to Dan that they should come. Say come. come. Tell your neighbor come. come. Say come. come. When is the last time you told somebody to come to church? When is the last time you told somebody to come to church? Not your children, of course. Otherwise, anybody else? Have you told anybody else of late, recently to come to church? So they established a decree to circulate a proclamation throughout all Israel from Beersheba even to Dan that they should come to celebrate the Passover. What's Passover, by the way? So what is Passover? You don't have to explain the whole thing, but just what is Passover? What does it signify? What is that act about? What is that uh, festival about? It's a remembrance. Passover is a remembrance of the deliverance of God. It's a remembrance of what God has done. Celebrate the remembrance, say celebrate. So that is worship. Celebrating the remembrance of Jesus Christ. We come together, we remember what the Lord has done. Celebration of the remembrance of God. That is worship. To celebrate the Passover to the Lord. I like that. To the Lord God of Israel at Jerusalem. It's a celebration to God. It's a celebration unto God. Worship is a celebration unto God. For they had not celebrated it in great numbers as it was prescribed. We, we looked at this last week. Prescription. Say prescription. Written. Say written. There's a written order. The written standard. Say written standard. God's word is a written standard. The prescribed manner of worship. You want to study worship, you must study God's word. You, you want to know how to worship, you must study God's word. Without the studying of God's word, there is no worship. Without the knowledge of God's word, there is no worship. You cannot worship God without knowing God's word. Worship is not this. Worship is what flows out of your heart based on your revelation in God's word. Hello? That's why, you, that's why churches and gatherings which compromise on the teaching of God's word will eventually fade out in worship. The, the worship will eventually become a circus. It will become something else. Not a worship that is acceptable unto God. Because worship needs repair and only God's word can bring about the repair. Only God's word can bring about the repair. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings about the repair. For they had not celebrated it in great numbers as it was prescribed. And the couriers went throughout all Israel and Judah with the letters from the hand of the king and his princes, even according to the command of the king, saying, O sons of Israel. Look at the next word. Returns. Say return. Say it loud. Return. Say return. return. O sons of Israel, return to the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel. Again, it's a remembrance. Say remembrance. Return is about remembrance. You got to re return. The word return, by the way, the, the Hebrew word that is used here, return. You know what, what it means? It means turn again. Turn again. That's what it means. Meaning you are in a certain manner, but you have gone the other direction. And return means to turn back again. Amen. So return. 
the church needs to return the church needs to return return you heard that this morning also first love she mentioned about that if you are paying attention that is return to your first love return there's a posture returning as the deer panteth for the water the the, the the deer is returning to the water going back to the source of that's right the source that can quench the deer is returning so returning oh sons of israel return oh oh children of god return return to your god return to your god turn back again to your god go back to that place of first love O sons of Israel, verse 6. O sons of Israel, return to the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac and Israel, that he may return to those of you who escaped and are left from the hand of the kings of Assyria. If you return, what will happen? God will return to you. When you, see, see, don't think, don't think that when you show your back to God, don't think that God is impressed about that. He will wait for you to return. Amen. But he will be waiting with open arms. That he is. That he will. He is always ready to restore you and receive you back. That's the unconditional love of God. The grace of God. But you got to do what you got to do. What's that? Return. Return. Repent and return. Turn. Turn back to God. Knowing that you are forgiven in him. In Christ. Amen. Return. And when you do that, he will, you will realize that he has returned back to you. Return, O children of Israel, the sons of Israel, return to your God, the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that he may return to you. Because they know that God is not with them anymore. Why? Because they have given access to pagan religions. They've given access to false gods. The king has worshipped a false god. How, I mean, how big is that? Think about it. A king who was ruling God's people decided to seek counsel from a pagan god, from an idol. Return. Say return. Time to return to your God. Turn to your God. Seek after your God. That he may return to those of you who escaped and are left from the hand of the kings of Azuria and do not be like your fathers and your brothers I mean he is talking to himself he is talking, talking to himself do not be like my father I should not be like my father King Ahaz do not be like your fathers and your brothers who were unfaithful to the Lord God of their fathers so that he made them a horror as you see now do not stiffen your neck like your fathers. Say stiffen. You know, when you have a stiff neck, how many of you have ever had a stiff neck? Ah, it's one of the worst things that can happen to a person who is living normal. One fine day you wake up with a stiff neck or a stiff back. And you can't turn. This is what you can do. When somebody calls, you have to do like this. Yes. Otherwise, you could do like this. Yes. Now you have to. It's difficult. Life becomes very difficult. When you're stiff-necked to God, life becomes even more difficult. Amen? Do, now do not stiffen your neck. 
when god is calling you if you are like this when god is calling from the direction if you are like this not turning you are giving your attention to god you are stiff necked do not stiffen your neck do not stiffen your neck like your fathers i like the next word we we looked at that uh, last week also but yield say yield i told you the word is give a hand give a hand to the lord that's so again a posture like she pointed out give a hand to the lord is a posture a posture in worship a posture of submission do not stiffen your neck in worship do not stiffen your neck but give a hand to the lord this must see if you understand these scriptures it'll be easy to worship god i'm telling you those of you who struggle to express your worship unto god you know i don't i don't agree when 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 some people can only can only worship like i don't agree to that that's not true that's not true that's not true you are made for worship that's right you are made for if you have joints and muscles and and limbs and everything you are made to worship god the way he wants you to worship him amen so don't buy into that lie like you know some people worship like that some people worship like this no every one of us can worship god to the fullest amen hallelujah why only when it comes to worship we have that categorization when it comes to worship we have that categorization that's not right we all got to worship god the way he deserves to be worshiped amen the expressions of worship so when you understand these scriptures do not stiffen your neck lesson 1 in worship do not stiffen your neck in worship meaning respond to god look unto god and yield meaning give a hand to the lord amen stretch out to god reach out to god like the deer panteth for the water reach out to god be yielded to god it's a posture and i want to repeat it one more time deer panting for the water is not a condition for a christian it's not that one find you you're so dry you cannot be so dry you feel dry because you have not connected with god that's why but as a christian there is no portion in your days where you are supposed to be dry no no you come to the well spring of life amen out of your belly will flow living waters amen that's your portion in life but you must have the posture the posture is is true you have to have the the desperation for god in worship you must come before god with that desperation you are so desperate to be with god amen you want to pour out to him you want to hug him kiss him be with him and if you train yourself see even in marriage for that matter okay even in marriage if you if you get used to a marriage which is very inexpressive then your marriage will stale out if your marriage is very inexpressive between husband and wife you are very inexpressive even in parenting even in parenting if you are not expressive to your children if you can't express to them your love if you can if you can't cuddle with them if you can't kiss them if you can't hug them if you can't carry them you know slowly but steadily you will move away from that place of love and expression that happens in worship also and that's the reason some of us have reached where we are now when it comes to worship because we have accustomed we got accustomed we got we accommodated this this style of being very um stiff in worship frigid in worship 
God had delivered us out of that. I remember those days. I remember those days singing some of these very songs I used to sing in a place which I didn't know God. And I was very stiff in worship. It was all about music and precision of notes and this and that. But it was not about worship. But now that I've come to the, the kingdom of his beloved son, I got to proclaim the excellencies the way I got to proclaim his excellencies. And do not be like your fathers and your brothers who were unfaithful to the Lord God of their fathers so that he made them a hero. Sorry, verse 8. Now do not stiffen your neck like your fathers, but yield, give a hand to the Lord and enter his sanctuary. You, if you See, worship is about action. Say action. You don't, you don't sit in the outer fringes of the sanctuary. Now some of us are like that. We are so comfortable physically and emotionally and spiritually being in the outer fringes of the sanctuary. Just want to mark our attendance in church. We've come. That's it. But the Bible says enter. Amen. Say enter. Amen. We got to enter a sanctuary physically and spiritually. Amen. And some of you enter the sanctuary physically but you don't enter the sanctuary spiritually. You're still in the outer fringes. You're still outside. You got to enter. Man, go deep into the presence of God. In worship, you are, you are making way. You are, you are pushing aside people. You are pushing aside the crowd and reaching after God. And going near to God and being with Him. That is worship. That is worship. Do not stiffen your neck, but yield. Give a hand to the Lord and enter His sanctuary, which He has consecrated forever. And serve the Lord your God. You know what the word serve means? I was looking up the meaning. I want to know what exactly it means. It means be enslaved to God. Hello. Serving God is not, okay, today I'm free. I'll do something for the Lord. Pull one chair, push, push that chair, do that and go back. No. Serving the Lord means being enslaved to the Lord. That's what it means. That's right. Only one master. Only one master. And you do what he wants you to do. Amen. You must be enslaved Amen. to your master. That's why in, right across, right through New Testament writings, we see that word again and again, bond servant of Christ. I'm a bond servant of Christ, meaning, meaning I'm enslaved. I'm, I'm, I'm enslaved. I'm in chains to the gospel. I'm, I'm a slave to righteousness. Hallelujah. I'm a slave to righteousness. I'm enchained by the gospel. I'm a born servant of Christ. And serve the Lord your God, that his burning anchor may turn away from you. For if you return to the Lord, your brothers and your sons will find compassion before those who led them captive. See, your worship has got advantage to your family. Your worship, your worship, listen, listen, your worship gives advantage to your family. It gives favor to your family. Your worship gives advantage to your family. Now I want, I take this as a prophetic word. If you have dear ones who are not in the Lord, you coming, drawing near to God. See, that's what is, if you return to the Lord, your brothers and sisters will find compassion. Say, find compassion. That's what we want them to have. Your worship and your devotion to God will result in your dear ones, your brothers, your sisters, your fathers, your husband, your wife, finding compassion. 
in the eyes of man and in the eyes of God. Tell your, tell your neighbor, worship comes with benefits. Do you know that? Ask your neighbor, do you know? Do you know? You can ask him. Do you know? You can ask him, yeah. Do you know that worship comes with benefits? Yeah, it comes with benefits for you and for your family and for your generations. It says sons, say sons. You being a worshiper benefits your children and your children's children. You being a worshiper benefits your children and your children's children. Abraham being a worshiper benefited us. What kind of a worshiper he was? He worshiped God to a point that he was, his worship was well pleasing to God. It transferred, the favor of the Lord transferred to his son, Isaac. Transferred to his son, Jacob. Transferred. So it's amazing. Hallelujah. They became a nation. Why? Because the father, grandfather was a worshiper. They became a nation. Existing for how many years? We don't know. The children of? The descendants of worshippers shall be mighty in the land. The descendants of worshippers, a worshipper will be mighty in the land. They will find compassion. They will find compassion. Because the Lord is not unjust to forget. The Lord is not unjust to forget. If you return to the Lord, your brothers and your sons will find compassion. Do you know that some of us are sitting here because of our fathers, our forefathers worship God. They cried out for the generations. You have no idea. You didn't hear that prayer. You are here because maybe your father, your mother prayed for you so hard, so fervently. Maybe your grandfather prayed for you so fervently. Maybe you're, the people that you're, you're, you know, up the lineage, people that you've not even seen. Your great-great-great-grandfather prayed for the generations to come so fervently. That's why you're here today. Don't forget that. Never forget that. So you returning to God has a, has a benefit that flows down the generations. It will flow down the generations. You're doing your children a favor by showing them how to worship. You're doing your children a favor by teaching them how to worship. You're doing a, your children a favor. You're giving them an advantage, not by sending them to university, not by sending them to the best top school in, 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 the, in the land, but by teaching them God's ways and teaching them to worship, being to, uh, teaching them to being a worshiper, you're giving them an advantage, a head start. Say head start. That's what the Bible says. Train up a child in the way he should go. He shall not depart from it even when he's old. It's a head start. Your training up the child is a, gives a head start. In the ways of God, the ways of God, give a head start. Say head start. If you return to the Lord, your brothers and your sons will find compassion before those who led them captive and will return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious. Say gracious. gracious. He's a gracious God. He's compassionate. See, see, that, see that this must be our assurance in worship. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Do not doubt the, the virtues of God. Don't ever doubt the goodness of God. I know people who worship God without, without understanding the virtues of God. If you talk to them, have a conversation with them, they, they have doubts about the goodness of God. I'm telling you, their worship is incomplete. You know why? Because you cannot worship God without knowing that He's a gracious God, He's a compassionate God. And He will not turn His face away from you. 
if you that's a confidence say confidence if you return to him draw near to god he will think about drawing near to you is that what the bible says draw near to god then he will consider draw near to god he may what does the bible say what does your bible say i know what my bible says draw near to god and he will draw near to you it's a guarantee say guarantee so you seeking god in worship is an assurance that he is going to draw near to you and i don't need to tell you what happens when god draws draws near to you hello do i need to tell you do i need to tell you what will happen if when god draws near to you and he will not turn his face away from you if you return to him so the couriers passed from city to city through the country of ephraim and manasseh and as far as sebulun but they laughed them to scorn and mocked them there are scoffers they we will always have scoffers in this world they will not be have any we will not have any lack of scoffers they had scoffers in the day the bible prophesies about scoffers in this day so we have scoffers all the way they laughed to scorn and to mock them nevertheless some men we looked at this last week some men of asher manasseh and sebulun humbled themselves and came to jerusalem it's a it's a it takes humility to come to god it takes humility to draw near and worship the hand of god was also on judah to give them one heart to do what the king and the princes commanded by the word of the lord now many people were gathered at jerusalem to celebrate the feast of the unleavened bread in the second month a very large assembly we looked at that last week they arose and removed the altars which were in jerusalem see that's something that we must do you must arise and remove the altars of foreign worship this is something we must commit to do remove the altars of foreign worship remove the objects of worship in our homes the objects of distraction the objects that stand the way of you being close to god remove the altars remove every foreign worship yeah be like be a gideon say gideon hallelujah i don't need to explain what he did gideon the mighty man of valor he just decided to destroy some idols even contrary to his fathers that's right even contrary to his fathers expectation you must be like that if you're only like, again if you're only thinking about graven images and like you know idols no i'm talking about when this is talking about every place of where worship arises to a different entity everything in your life in your home in your family where affection and devotion arises to a foreign entity bring it down bring it down you must bring it down bring it down everything that distracts you and your family and your people from worshiping god and seeing god for who he is bring it down bring it down destroy it they arose and removed the altars the church i mean this is something the church must do we must see we have we have more people being worshiped in the name of worship than god being worshiped 
people are becoming objects of worship celebrity say celebrity celebrity ministers celebrity worship leaders the focus must be on god it must be on god amen for you to worship you don't need to be under a celebrity worship leader your heart needs to be in the right place that's all your heart needs to be in the right place and in fact it's it's written in the same passage we're going to read that in a while and they arose and removed say removed say remove the altar i love this remove the altar return and remove the altars which were in jerusalem they also removed all the incense sorry incense altars and cast them in the brook kidron then they slaughtered the passover lambs on the 14th of the second month and the priests and the levites were ashamed of themselves and consecrated themselves and brought burnt offerings to the house of the lord repentance a repentance you got to come to a place you are ashamed of yourself that you repent not to push you into a place of despair not to push you into a place of uh, hopelessness but when you are convicted when you feel that you are done wrong to god you must return to god you must repent before him and they stood at the stations after their custom according to the law of moses the man of god the priest sprinkled blood which they received from the hand of the levites for there were many in the assembly who had not consecrated themselves therefore the levites were over the slaughter of the passover lambs so who was supposed to slaughter the passover lambs who was supposed to slaughter the passover lambs the head of the house the head of the house is supposed to slaughter the are you getting this the head of the family is supposed to slaughter the passover lambs but because they had not consecrated themselves that's what this bible is talking about then they slaughtered the passover passover lambs on the 14th of the second month and the priests and the levites were ashamed of themselves and consecrated themselves and brought burnt offerings to the house of the lord verse 16 and they stood at their stations after their custom so on and so forth uh, verse 17 for there were many in the assembly who had not consecrated themselves therefore the levites were over the slaughter of the passover lambs for everyone who was unclean in order to consecrate them to the lord so they had to do the work of the the heads of the families also because there were many in the crowd many in the assembly who were not consecrated so you are a all the fathers you are a priest of your house you got to live a consecrated life you got to live a consecrated life you are doing an injustice to your family if you are living a, li- a, a two time double standard life you are lo- doing your family a great injustice you are putting your family in a disadvantage if you being the father or the head of the house is living a life of double standards if you have a secret life which cannot is not worthy of mention then you are you're doing a great injustice and pushing your family into a place of disadvantage consecrate yourselves for there were many in the assembly who had not consecrated themselves therefore the levites were over the slaughter of the, the passover lambs for everyone who was unclean in order to consecrate them to the lord 
for a multitude of the people even many from Ephraim and Manasseh Isaac and Zebulun had not purified themselves yet they ate the Passover otherwise than prescribed for Hezekiah prayed for say for I mean praise God for people like him praise God for God for indecisors hallelujah and the people were not ready but the king was ready anyways he prayed for them he prayed for even the ones who were not ready he prayed for even the ones who were not consecrated according to prescription. For Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May the good Lord pardon everyone who prepares his heart. It's about the heart. So that's the only prayer. They may not have done, gone through the ritual. Say ritual. Maybe the, maybe the ritual is incomplete. Maybe the procedure of purification is incomplete. But if they presented to God a heart, say heart. That's what he's praying. For everyone who prepares, say prepares. What does, what does prepare mean? Make ready. You, if your heart is ready, say ready. ready. Tell your neighbor, it's a year of readiness. Let your heart be ready. Hallelujah. See, it's all over. It's all over scripture. Everyone who prepares his heart or makes his heart ready to seek God, the Lord God of his fathers, though not according to the purification rules of the sanctuary, he is praying that the Lord will pardon them. Maybe they have missed the procedural things. Maybe they, they have missed the, the legalistic side of things. But if their heart is right before, because God is looking at the heart. God is looking at, that's why I said, we're going to see a harvest of souls. We're going to see a, 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 a thronging to the house of God with people who have made their heart right before God. They may not look right. They may not look right. Their label may not be right. Their reputation may not be right, but they have made, if they make their heart right before God, God will bring them here. They, God will bring them in and raise worship out of them. Amen. That's why I said, you, you must be ready to shed your ego, your pride, your sophistication, your dignity. Because worship is not about any of those things. Worship is being about being undignified. Everyone who prepares for Hezekiah prayed for them saying, May the good Lord pardon everyone who prepares his heart to seek God, the Lord God of his fathers, though not according to the purification rules of the sanctuary. So the Lord heard. Who heard? See, one man's prayer. That's why I say you, sometimes you don't know why you are kept. It's not because of your merit. Somebody has been praying. He's a, he's a God of compassion, God of mercy. God of mercy. Somebody's been praying. Somebody has been praying. That, that's why you must pray. That's why you must continue to pray. You must continue to pray for others. If you have a burden for people, start praying. Start praying for that person. For the Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. Oh. Healed the people. Say healed. healed. It's like they had some disease. Lack of worship is a disease. Lack of worship is a, is a cancerous disease. It spreads. Lack of worship is a cancerous disease. It spreads. The Lord heard Hezekiah and healed the people. The Lord heard Hezekiah. When Hezekiah prayed, the Lord heard. When you pray, 
for people who are just getting their heart ready before God, when you pray, they may not yet be like, you know, a part of a church, but when you pray, the Lord will heal. Hello. That's why you must be, see, that, that, that's, that must stir up your evangelistic fervor all the more. That must stir up your evangelic fervor all the more. No, I encourage my kids, you know, they come back to me and say uh, the, uh, the details of their, their friends and what they go through and their issues in life. I say, just go and pray, lay hands and pray. Issues in family, issues about their parents, issues in their finances. Small kids, I'm talking about small kids. I'm talking about the six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, ten-year-olds. They come and share their problems with each other. If you don't teach your children to pray for them, they miss the opportunity to minister God, minister the love of God. And the people who shared miss the opportunity to receive deliverance. So don't think that only the pastor can pray and bring about deliverance. No. No. It's our portion, every single one of us. The Lord will heal. When you pray, the Lord will heal. When a person gets his heart right before God and you pray for the person, the Lord will heal. The Lord will restore. The Lord will deliver. The Lord will deliver. There is power in your prayer. There is power in your ministering. There is power in your reaching out. You will, you will be an author of miracles. Author of miracles. Verse 21, and the sons of Israel, and the sons of Israel present in Jerusalem celebrated the feast of the unleavened bread for seven days with great joy. So joy. So joy must be the hallmark of worship. Joy. Even in, even in repentance, there is joy. Even in brokenness, there is joy. That's why I have a problem with songs which only are about crying and weeping. Tunes which are always full of sadness. That's all. Worship is about majesty of God. Amen. It brings about joy. Amen. Not the joy that you, that you see in, in the world. The joy of the Lord. Amen. It strengthens you. Great joy. For seven days with great joy and the Levites and the priests praise the Lord day after day with loud instruments. That's, that's Febin right there. That's Febin right there. Loud instruments. I remember somebody sharing with me uh, it's long back. Okay, uh, So th this church has a very loud band and uh, long back. I'm talking about pioneering days. Loud band and this is elderly woman who comes to church and the, the, the worship leader or the lead guitarist just decided to play some heavy distortion. After the service, the, uh, this elderly woman came to the, the lead guitarist and said, such anointing. <laughs> such anointing. It's a loud instruments. It's with a purpose. These instruments are made with a purpose. It's made with a purpose. Amen. So don't, don't have problems with the loud music. Don't have problems with loud music. Loud music is good. As long as it is offered unto God in worship. Amen. Get, see, we must come out of this, this nonsense uh, in our heads. 
there is nothing wrong with loud music the bible talks about loud music but when it is not under god there is a problem but when it is under god offered unto god in reverence yes loud music we're going to get louder than this yes this is just we just uh, you know it's a transition phase we're going to get louder amen Verse 24, for Hezekiah, king of Judah, had contributed to the assembly thousand bulls and, oh, thousand bulls. He con- the king contributed. The king contributed thousand bulls and seven thousand sheep. And the princess had contributed to the assembly thousand bulls and ten thousand sheep. And a large number of priests consecrated themselves. And all the assembly of Judah rejoiced. Say rejoiced. Rejoice. When you return, you will rejoice. When you return to God, you'll rejoice. When you return to worship, you'll rejoice. It's a guarantee. Tell you guarantee. It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. When you return to God, you will rejoice. And the, all the assembly of Judah rejoiced with the priests and the Levites and, the all, and all the assembly that came from Israel. Both the sojourners... Sojourners also, meaning the aliens. The aliens. Even the ones who are sojourning. I hope I pronounced it right. Yeah, right? Sojourning, yeah. Aliens. The aliens in the land. They were not Jews by lineage. But they decided to cling on to the, the God of the Jews. Hello? I'm telling you, see, this must open your eyes. The aliens in the land must rejoice on account of your worship. Amen. They must come and join hands with you Amen. because you're a worshiper. Amen. See, that's why that scripture in, uh, in Zechariah about the sleeve, Zechariah, right? Huh? That's right. They pulled, they should come and pull your garments and say, take us with you. Where you go, we want to come. We want to come to your church. We want to come to your place of worship. Take us with you. They'll come and pull your garments. They'll come and pull your sleeve. They must for that you need to be a loud worshipper. Loud worshipper. Exuberant worshipper. And all the assembly of Judah rejoiced with the priests and the Levites and all the assembly that came from Israel. Both the sojourners and who came from the land of Israel and those living in Judah. Both the kingdoms. The northern and the southern kingdom. And even the, the aliens in the land. So there was a great joy in Jerusalem because there was nothing like this in Jerusalem since the days of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. I want to tell you, the best days of the church are ahead of us. The best, the latter days, the latter glory of the church will be greater than the former glory. Okay? In Haggai chapter 2 and verse 9 it says, the latter glory of the house will be, of the temple will be greater than the former glory. So if you're, if you're the kind of person who, who reads book of Acts and go like, oh wow, what kind of power, what kind of glory, what kind of miracles and signs and wonders. I'm telling you, we are only about to see greater things than that. Amen. The church is only about to see greater things than that. Amen. Because that's how God works. When, when, the, when the people of God turn, return, say return. 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 So first of all, repair, say repair. repair. Then restore. restore. And then return. return. And then God will bring about rejoicing. And look at this. There's nothing like this in Jerusalem since the days of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. It has never happened. After Solomon, something like this has never happened. 
Why? Because one king decided to take a stand. One person. One person decided to put his foot down. Okay, I missed one verse. I want to go back to verse 22. I was looking for that verse. Verse 22. I missed a couple of verses actually. 22 and 23. Okay, then Hezekiah spoke encouragingly to all the Levites who showed good insight in the things of the Lord. Some version says, Hezekiah the king spoke encouragingly to the Levites. Can you read it from your Bible? Huh? Sorry? One more time. Who taught? Say who taught. Hezekiah the king spoke encouragingly to the Levites who taught the good knowledge of the Lord to the people. See, you, you, must, you must devote your life to encouraging those who are teaching the word of God. Those are ministers. It must be a priority in your life. I don't, don't live like, ah, they will live somehow. Don't be like that. Don't be disconnected from people who are in ministry. Don't be disconnected. Am I, am, I, am I seeking your help? No, I'm not. But I'm teaching you something. I'm teaching you something. Take it seriously. Take it very seriously. This king decided to speak encouragingly over the Levites, to the Levites who taught the good knowledge of the Lord. Hezekiah spoke encouragingly to all the Levites who showed good insight in the things of the Lord. The ones who are devoted to, to studying the word of God and teaching the word of God. Encourage, say encourage. So they ate, because he spoke encouragingly. So they ate. Hello? So your encouragement can feed. Your encouragement can fill. So they ate. I love this. So they ate for the appointed seven days, sacrificing peace offerings and giving thanks to the Lord God of their fathers. Then the whole assembly decided to celebrate the feast another seven days. Say extended. Extend. Ex extend your worship. Extend your worship. Amen. Not just in duration, but also in, in, in your attitude, in, your, uh, in, in the way you approach it. Extend it. Come out of your, um, the normalcy. Come out of the normalcy. Stretch yourself. Amen. Extended under seven days. Let's go under seven days. Celebrating the goodness of God. Let's go under seven days celebrating the goodness of God. Remembering. Say remembering. Since we have returned to God, let's continue to remember. And celebrate the remembrance. In worship. For one more, one more week. For Hezekiah, king of Judah, had contributed. Okay, let's, let's now skip and go to verse 27. Then the Levitical priest arose and blessed the people. And their voice was heard and their prayer came to his holy dwelling place to heaven. 
See, when, when these things come right, okay, when worship comes right, prayer, is, prayer reaches all the way to heaven. When worship is right, prayer reaches all the way to heaven. You want, you want, you want to see some power in your prayer? Worship. 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 Hello? Okay, let's stop. Anybody here wants to see some more power in your prayer? Okay, I'm talking to you. Okay, the others can just listen if you want to. If you want to see more power in your prayer, offer worship freely. Freely. You want to see the power of God hit this place? Just worship. You know, see, it's like, you know, God looks from heaven and he takes note of those who are worshiping him fervently, wholeheartedly. He looks, he takes note. Heaven's limelight falls on people who are worshiping God. That's what the Bible says. I didn't say that. To such the Father seeks. Those who worship Him in spirit and in truth. He seeks. It's like the Father in heaven looks down. He's seeking. He's seeking. Those who are worshiping Him. On a Sunday morning, what, you know, do you know what God is doing? He's not chilling there. He's just seeking for true worshippers. He's looking from one gathering to the next to the other gathering, to this gathering. He's looking for true worshippers. And when he finds a gathering that is worshipping him in truth and in spirit, guess what? He answers. He responds. See, you have a responsibility to this church. You have a responsibility to this church. Offer true worship. Offer true worship. Bring your side of the worship. Bring your side of the worship. No commitments. Hello? I said bring your side of the worship. Bring your part of the worship. Amen. Hallelujah. That's your, that's your commitment to your God and to your people. 